1: We forage through the forest and along the edges of the lakes for strawberries, blueberries and raspberries. We are so starving hungry that we stuff them into our mouths straight from the bushes. We grin at each other, our lips and chins covered with juice. The cracks in our teeth are mush of pulp and seeds, purple and red, sticky and stained. I laugh as Mia rubs raspberries into her smelly, matted hair, then say, enough, Mia, we are not wild, we are not wolves. We hide behind barns and when farmers go into their houses, we steal the slops from the pig troughs, the eggs from the nesting boxes. We break into kitchens and gobble whole pots of soup while the wife is outside doing the laundry. Today, we steal a hen. It's a Russian hen. We know it's Russian because as we run away from the barn, two Russian soldiers yell and shoot at us as we disappear into the forest. Real bullets whiz past our bodies. We laugh and scream and cry all at the same time as we run and dive into the deep, dark undergrowth. I roast the chicken over a fire and we eat it all. Bones, heart, lungs, kidneys, brain and feet. Chicken feet are delicious. Otto even eats the eyes. When we are done and we are lying on our greasy blankets beneath the summer sky, half-naked in our torn clothes, our feet bare, their soles growing thick and tough from running without boots. I remind Mia and Otto and myself once more, we are not wild, we are not wolves.
0: Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Petunia Nanastad is an award-winning children's and young adults author whose works include The Girl Who Brought Mischief, The Olive of Grove series, The Red Dirt series and The Travelling Bookshop series. Today I'm talking to Katrina Naderstad about the Historical Novel Society's award-winning book, *We Are Wolves*. Katrina, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on.
0: First things first, congratulations on winning the 2021 ARA Historical Novel Prize in the Children's and Young Adult category for *We Are Wolves*.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. Your book is fiction,
0: but it's based on real historical events. The Wolf's Kinder. Who are the wolf's Kinder?
1: The Wolves are a group of children who were left orphaned and alone at the end of World War II in East Prussia. So what happened in that area of Germany is that the people were forbidden to flee, even though the Red Army was marching forwards and about to invade. And so when the Red Army actually broke through the border into East Prussia, the people were totally unprepared and they ended up fleeing in the middle of a blizzard um, in terrible circumstances and, of course, It was disastrous. Um, People were overtaken by the Red Army and terrible things happened there. But also people died from exhaustion and exposure and hunger and illness during this blizzard. And in this chaos and this trauma, thousands and thousands of children were left orphaned or lost or abandoned. And at the end of the war, a number of these children continued to live all on their own to survive, all on their own in this really hostile post-war environment uh, that robbed a lot of adults of their lives. And so these children had an incredible story because they were surviving on their own, sometimes for years. And I, I just—it's—it's it's just mind-blowing to think that they could even begin to to survive, let alone survive sometimes for years.
0: So we're talking about a period right near the end of the Second World War, 1945. The Germans are starting to become conscious of losing the war, and this book explores all the consequences of that. Can you put that in a broader historical context for us?
1: For the first part of World War II, Germany had huge success by their terms, not success by anyone else's terms, this area in East Prussia was quite unusual in that even as the war started to go wrong for Germany, they still didn't really suffer as much as other parts of Germany. So Germany, of course, was being bombed by the Allies and there was food shortage and there were was, was civilian deaths. But East Prussia remained relatively unscathed until about August 1944. So the people there had enough to eat. Things were, Some things were in short supply, but things were still going well. So when they were told... We're doing okay, the war's fine, we're not losing. They probably had more reason than anyone else to, to believe that. But of course, then the their capital of that area, Konigsberg, was bombed and people started to doubt. But still, Hitler and all the leaders were saying, we stand and defend, we're not losing the war. But bit by bit, people started to get the truth and and realise that things weren't as good as they supposed. And I show that a little bit in my book where where the parents and the grandfather obviously know things aren't right, but Liesl's still getting all all the ideas from school, that Hitler's wonderful and he's perfect and everything's going to be okay. So bit by bit, we see the adults becoming more aware of what the situation and then Liesl, this older girl's growing awareness that things perhaps aren't as rosy as she thought. But it's not really until she's all alone trying to survive with her little brother and sister that she really fully faces the truth of what's happened to her country and the sort of person that Hitler was.
0: One of the things I really love about the story is the way it starts. Hitler is a toad. Uh, it's (laughs) It's almost as if we're about to enter a fairy tale. But, of course, it's not a fairy tale because everything's based on truth. And I wondered, though, did you have historical forms like fairy tales or parables or fables in mind as you wrote We Are Wolves?
1: No, I I didn't. I do actually talk about about stories and storytelling within my story, but that wasn't the starting point. My starting point was the real stories that I'd I'd come across of the of the wolf's kinder the real things that had happened to those children some individual accounts that I'd I'd found whether they were just a few sentences or a few minutes of, in an interview and also I've, I've read an autobiography this one by Evelyn Tanhill Abandoned and Forgotten so I I started with the real stories of the wolf's kinder. I think when I'm writing for children, I always try to find points where children can relate to a story, those everyday things that that make a story more accessible for children and seeing themselves in the story. And that's where things like bedtime stories and fairy tales come into my story. And then they're very powerful for weaving into the story and making links into good and evil and all those dark and light sort of things that people battle out in fairy tales, you can make a lovely link then with your story, with those things. But certainly the starting point was the true stories that I'd stumbled across.
0: We Are Wolves, along with your upcoming book, Rabbit, Soldier, Angel, Thief, bring attention to the consequences of war, things that we've spoken about, absent parents, food shortages, wounded soldiers, the sounds of cannons and gunfire as a soundtrack, the general devastation of war, I suppose. What led you to explore these pretty difficult themes and bring them to the attention of children?
1: It wasn't a deliberate choice to set out to do that, actually. I generally write lighter sort of stories, um, action, adventure, mystery, a lot of humour. And I, I sort of stumbled into this historical fiction based in wartime Quite by accident, I was looking online for a different story that I'd heard about and stumbled across an article about the Wolf's Kinder, and I read on and was quite fascinated by the stories, by the survival of these children, as, as I've mentioned before, but also uh, I was surprised that I'd never heard of these children before. And so that started a bit of interest, and I really just made an offhand comment in an email to my publisher about a different book I was writing, <laughs> and said, oh, by the way, have you heard of the Wolf's Kinder? What a fascinating story. Just wrote a couple of lines. And she responded with, great, we love that story idea. Send it through when it's fully developed. <laughs> and I hadn't really planned to write about them. I was just sort of thinking, wow, what a fascinating story. And so that's, that's the point where I think I've had this bit of a, a career shift to writing quite serious um, books based in World War II. And so during my research for werewolves, I stumbled across this other story about the youngest child soldier on record to have served in World War II, and that's where my second book comes in about the little Russian boy who joins the Red Army at six years of age. And I'm currently writing a third World War II story just because... I was on a bit of a roll and it seemed like a good thing to do another one while I was still exploring children in World War II and particularly looking further to the east to those stories that perhaps aren't quite so well known by those of us from the west.
0: If we can talk about We Are Wolves again, it's a very emotionally powerful piece of storytelling, partly because you shine a light on the experience of children, especially because it focuses on uh, their loss of identity and the way that they're forced to give up their German identity and become Lithuanian in many cases, uh, simply in order to survive. But you don't really shy away from that element that all of those things bring to the story. Did you ever consider the impact of these themes as you were writing?
1: Absolutely. And I found it really hard and I still struggle. I struggled with my second book about the little soldier and the one I'm writing now I'm finding harder than anything I've written before because I, I do have that thing where I'm sharing, I'm sharing these stories with children and they are devastating stories. As an adult, when you read the raw history, which I, I would just recommend you don't send children searching these topics on their own because they will come across things that are really not appropriate for children to read, it's, it's very traumatic and then you're faced with well how do I share these stories with children and my real struggle came with the fact that I knew that these things happened to real people and so I wanted to make sure that I was honest and that I really acknowledged the trauma and the hardship that these people had been through and that I didn't shy away from um, the difficult things that had happened to them, because I don't think that would be fair and that that would be not not right. I wouldn't be honouring those people's lives. But I had to still somehow package it in a way that it was appropriate and safe for children. And because I've written the story from Liesl's point of view, she narrates it present tense and it's all her voice, so we can only see what she sees. And so I'm hoping that when she describes what she can see, that older children have enough knowledge and understanding to read between the lines and get the bigger picture. But children who aren't ready to understand all that will just read what she's literally saying.
0: In a children's and young adult's literary world overflowing with magical realism, fantasy, elves, and magic spells, where is the place for historical fiction in children's literature and why is it important?
1: history is really powerful and we we learn about ourselves and our world and the consequences of actions and the wonderful things that people do there's so much we learn from history that we want our children to know history is powerful but it's also it's also quite awful at times it can be quite raw it can be quite traumatic and Even though we want children to explore history and we want them to look at the big issues and the big happenings that have shaped our world, we don't want them to be exposed to everything. And so the beauty of historical fiction is that we can share those parts of history that we want them to know about, but we can package it in a story that makes it safe for them to read. And so we don't have to tell them Everything that happened to the Wolf's Kinder, everything that happened when the Russians marched into Germany at the end of the war. We can just choose to show them the things that are applicable uh, to the characters that we're telling the story of at that time, which enables us to share some of the big issues and the emotion and the trauma, but in a way that's appropriate for children. And I think, too, particularly when we get to that age group, that upper primary age group, early high school those children are ready to look at the world beyond themselves. I think younger children are often, the things that I write about often are family and pets and friends and all those things because that's their world and that's what's important and it's also what's safe for them. But as children get to those end years of primary, they do become very interested in the broader world and they get passionate about big ideas, big issues, and I think it's really great to give them stories that enable them to look even further out into the world or back in in time, and also to explore those big issues that are affecting their lives and will affect the rest of their lives. But still they are just children, even at that age, when they're looking at the world and big issues. And so once again, we wanna protect them and only share what they're ready to hear. And that's, I think that's the real value of historical fiction for that age, is that you can give them really big meaty stuff to read but make it safe for them still.
0: Do you think we underestimate their capacity to understand and and come to terms with these stories, even at such a young age?
1: I think children will read a book at the level that they're ready to read it Too, If you go into a grade five, six class, There will be a huge gamut of maturity and ability, you know, you might have a child who's still reading fairy tales and and really enjoying that and that's absolutely fine, but you might have the child who's reading Stephen King novels or really um, intense adult war stories, and if they're ready for that and their parents and their teacher are aware of that that's fine. but I think what happens with stories, and this is this is the magic of stories, is that readers dip in at that point that they're ready to understand. They'll only understand what their ability has prepared them to understand. And so I think a story can mean so many different things to a range of children. So for some children, they'll read it at face value as the story that follows Liesl and Otto and Mia as they go through this war-torn land and meet new people and new friends, and they'll they'll get that it's tough. But children who may be ready for deeper, deeper issues or maybe have a broader reading or a broader understanding of history will take more from the story and and to put it to the extreme adults who've read the story I think are quite traumatized by the things that are unsaid but that they know are happening (laughs) there but I don't believe that children are having talked to school children and book clubs who have read it I don't believe that that happens I believe they dip in at the point where they're ready to dip in
0: well it's a wonderfully compelling story and I think as you say anybody could enjoy it Katrina thank you for joining me on the good reading podcast
1: Thanks so much for having me here.
0: I've been talking to Katrina Nanstad about her latest book, We Are Wolves. It's published by HarperCollins and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. This Good Reading podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how.